Welcome to The Dirt on the Past, a program of the Extreme History Project that explores the good, the bad, and the ugly about our human past. Because, let's face it, Crystal. Yep, history very often isn't pretty, but it is so important to know. Because it is the very thing that has led us to the most critical concerns that we have in the present. Join me, Nancy Mahoney, and me, Crystal Alegria, as we talk to archaeologists and historians who've been digging in the dirt and in the archives to uncover the fascinating histories that are not only relevant to today's issues, but which help us better understand how to address them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the show. I'm Nancy. And I'm Crystal. And we are co-hosts of The Dirt on the Past. This week, we're talking via Zoom with filmmaker Kimberly Hogberg about her recent film, The Story of Us, The Women Who Shaped Montana. We are so excited to talk with Kim. But first, Crystal, let's check in. How was your week? I had a really good week, a really good month. It's been just a little bit um, since we recorded a podcast, and things have been really busy. So with Extreme History, um, October and November are just always really busy months for whatever reason. So we've been doing a lot of... Um, we've been doing a lot of lecture series stuff. We've been doing a lot of extreme history gift shop stuff. We've been doing a lot of grant writing. We've been doing a lot of writing in general. So it's been, it's been a a good month, but an extremely busy month. So, uh, and then of course, uh, we'll be talking more about the Story of Us documentary with Kim as we go forward today, but we've been doing also a lot of screenings of the documentary kind of around Montana. We did one in Missoula, and then just last night we did one in Virginia City, which was was great. So, yeah. That's so exciting. It was really exciting, and uh, we had a good group for Virginia City, which was you know, a cold November night mm. with um, snow coming down and and people came out for the screening, even though it was, you know, 20 degrees and snowing. We had people from Virginia City, of course, but we also had people from Sheridan, which is a little town close by, and from Ennis, another Fantastic. little town close by. So Where people, was the screening? It was in the Thompson Hickman Library at Virginia City, and it is my favorite library in oh. the whole state of Montana probably in the whole world. It is just this the cutest little library. It's it's a small library, of course, but it's in a historic building. And they have this reading room that is just out of a fairy tale. It's <laughs> it has these beautiful big oak tables with reading lights on them and one of the tables always has a puzzle or two out and then they have uh, these fireplaces at each end of the room and stacks of books and big comfy chairs to sit in and it's just a wonderful library. I know that space. It's a beautiful space. It is. You've been in it with me a couple times. So Mm -hmm. yeah and they have a great archives there so I've been in that archives many many times but last night it was just fun to go and and show the story um, of Sarah Bigford. But we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go. So it's been a a great month or so. What about you, Nancy? Yeah, so things have been um, busy as we get towards holiday season here in Bozeman. It feels like as soon as we get ready for Halloween, you know, almost Thanksgiving's upon us. And of course, this week, um, today is Ladies Night Downtown, and it's always the Thursday before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. So I feel like it's yet one more holiday that locally yes. <laughs> I, as a, as a business owner, celebrate. <laughs> yes. And um, that's it's often extremely fun, and a lot of people come out, and all of the downtown businesses um, 
have specials geared towards women, but increasingly men and, and whatever, but there's just great sales and everything in preparation for kind of Black Friday right after Thanksgiving yeah. and then heading into our Christmas stroll and all that good stuff. And then I think there's another art walk also in December oh, yeah, that's, that's going right. to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's just holiday season and until, you know, January 1st, we are, we are just <laughs> on just, the train. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been Non-stop. getting a lot of snow here, mm-hmm. especially in Bozeman. And we have, um, you know, mumblings of, of our ski hills opening early yeah. and, and everything like that. And um, that's been um, helping all of the lovely coats we have in the boutique yeah. to, like, yeah, fly out I the bet, door because it was warm, 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 and then all of a sudden it's been cold and snowy. So now we've got um, everybody kind of scrambling to get their their winter layers on. And uh, so to, tonight we'll be hosting um, whoever comes in. Often it's a lot of people in the store all yeah. at once and there's wine and snacks and good sales and oh, it should be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that. And we have a great crew over there working on that. Well, that's great. I went in this morning, as you know, cause yeah. you were there, but I went in cause I'm not, we have a lecture for our lecture series tonight. So I'm not able to go into ladies night tonight. So I went in this morning right when you guys opened and it just looks beautiful. The store looks beautiful. There's it's, Thanks. it feels, it has that, that cozy feel and there's so much um, wonderful winter merchandise and candles and jewelry. Fun holiday and, stuff. I know we have know, so many local artists of, yeah. who are making wonderful things um, all for sale there. And that's what's so fun is we still live in one of those towns where we really have local producers and people like to buy local um, from locally owned stores, but but things that are made right here in Bozeman and yeah. Montana. So it's so much fun to be a part of all that. And as you know, too, we even share some people we who do. we have things in your <laughs> gift shop and in our store. Yeah. So that's really fun. And yeah. for some of our crew, this will be their first ladies night. So it'll be fun to see how that all goes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, in a month, I'm going to have a new hip and I'm a little nervous yeah. about that. Yeah. So, so you're, you're... I'm trying to enjoy what I can until then, but I, I can't really ski or do anything, oh. you know, so the snow is is feels a little different this year, but in the long run, yeah. So yeah, hip replacement surgery coming mm-hmm. up for me for you, yeah, and kind of can't help yeah. to get it here soon enough. My hip is is oh. yeah. I know. I feel like it knows now that it's on its yeah. way out, and it's just <laughs> it's like angry. I'm going to give you a lot of yeah. trouble before I go. Not happy. Not happy. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, back to our yes, guests. Yes. We should get back to our guests. We should. We yes. should. Well, we're so excited to have you here with us today, Kim. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I want to start off by telling our listeners a little bit about you, Kim. So based in Helena, Montana, Kimberly Hoberg has a master's degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Montana and a Bachelor of Arts in History. For 20 years, Kim has worked on a variety of award-winning documentaries, TV shows, and videos. She first fell in love with creating historical documentaries when she served as an associate producer for the critically acclaimed documentary, Jailed for Their Words, When Free Speech Died in Wartime America. She also produced and edited the Emmy-nominated documentary, An Alien Place, The Fort Missoula Detention Camp, 1941 to 1944. Kim also was an associate producer for the documentary The Gamble, and for seven years she has served as a co-producer and editor on the popular and Emmy award-winning TV show Washington Grown. Kim has partnered with the Extreme History Project to produce the short film The Story of Us, The Women Who Shaped Montana, 
and most recently she partnered with the Montana Historical Society to create a 60-minute documentary about the history and experiences of African Americans in Montana entitled Hidden Histories, Montana's Black Past. Kim has a passion for storytelling and bringing history alive through digital media. And I'm going to say that's actually Hidden Stories, Montana's Black Past. (laughs) All right. Thanks for being here, Kim. It's so great to have you here, Kim. We've had the chance to work together over the past, oh, I think three or four years now, creating this documentary called The Story of Us. And so um, I've been thinking over these three or four years, I'm like, well, when we get to the point where we have the film done and it's about to to premiere, we'll do this podcast. So I've been thinking about this podcast for a long, long time. So I'm so glad that we finally get to to do it together. Um, so I just want to start off, Kim, by asking you, what brought you to to love to do historical documentaries? Because you do have a bachelor's degree in history. And then you went into filmmaking. And of course, you've made a lot of films that aren't history based. But I know your love is for history. So can you talk a little bit about why you love history and why you love making these historical documentaries? Um, That's a tough question. But for me, I I think some of our best stories are historical stories. I mean, sometimes you read these stories and it's like, that can't be true. And then you, oh my gosh, it is true. Like, so I, sometimes I wonder why people spend so much time crafting, you know, fiction stories when we can find it in our history books, because there's some pretty outrageous and incredible stories. And I've always just seemed to gravitate towards those. And you know, I also see the value of learning more about our history of places and people and where we came from and why it's this way. I think if we want those answers, you know, we really have to turn to history to find them, to explain what brought us to where we are today and learn from that, too. Um, like Crystal said, history is, isn't pretty, but um, it's necessary. So I just always really have... Um, a love for history. And I think most people who are interested in history could say the same thing for different reasons. And um, growing up in Montana, I there's some really incredible historical stories here that are just not told that much, or you really have to go out and seek them to find them. So that was kind of one of the goals in the beginning was to make these stories a little more readily available. So the next time someone goes to Virginia City and sees that hangman's building, they'll immediately think of Sarah Bickford and, you know, what she did for that building there. And I might have just answered one of your future questions accidentally. <laughs> so, Kim, I, I know history isn't always pretty, as we say, <laughs> but there are also amazing little gems that sometimes don't get told amazing stories about what people were able to accomplish or achieve even when odds were against them. So I do, I do think it can be pretty sometimes too. (laughs) And sometimes those are fun stories to hear as well. Even the important stories that aren't, aren't so lovely. Um, But we're excited to, to talk with you a bit more about the story of us in particular, the documentary you worked on with extreme history. So can you give us an overview of that documentary And just a little bit about what it's about and how you got the idea to do this film in the first place. 
Um, you know, I think what what spurred me to, to to make a historical Montana documentary was when I did the alien place about um, the internment camps in Fort Missoula. And it was shocking to me that I grew up in Montana. I loved history. So I took all the history classes I could in high school and everything. And I couldn't believe how no one ever talked about that there was an internment camp in Missoula because we sure talked about internment camps. But it was shocking to me. And so it kind of made me wonder what else is out there that isn't really talked about. Um, and I feel like, especially for kids that are learning history and to get excited about it is when you can see it in your own backyard. Um, and that's kind of what really spurred me to want to find these stories and tell more of these stories is not only for the PBS audience, but also for um, the student audience across Montana. And the story of us, um, you know, through some back and forth discussions, we decided that we really wanted to tell um, women's stories of Montana. And we feel like a lot of times female stories get left out of the narrative. And except for, like we said, Jeanette Rankin or Sacagawea or, you know, those kind of token one woman stories that have to be told. But there's so many other incredible stories out there as well that just no one really knows about. So that's that's where the idea started was let's tell um, the female stories of Montana. And we started with four women from four different places and kind of four different eras of Montana. And that's where we started and we're hoping to uh, grow it from there. Yeah, so Kim, can you talk about the four different women we featured in the, the film and where those women are from and, and kind of why we decided to pick those four. Sure. And I think, too, in the beginning, you know, while we wanted to feature women, we were very uh, deliberate in making sure we featured a diverse group of women. Um, so the first four that we started with was Sarah Bickford, who is based in Virginia City. Virginia City. Um, she's a black woman that actually came to Virginia City as an enslaved girl. Uh, once she got there, it, the Emancipation Proclamation happened. So she was, I guess, released or um, free, finally, of her duties. And um, she really charged the path of her own and went through some pretty traumatic experiences, but yet was able to survive and prosper. Um, and she was a hardworking woman and a really inspiring person. I don't want to give away all the details because I want people to watch the film, <laughs> but um, that was the story of Sarah Bickford. Um, that we also featured Rose Hum Lee, who is a Chinese immigrant from um, Butte. And she grew up in Butte's Chinatown, very smart, very incredible woman um, as well, and went on to um, get her doctorate and wrote a lot of um, books about um, China Chinatowns in the Western area of the United States. And um, and because of that, scholars now are, be, are able to learn what those um towns and areas look like that and kind of have this first account um, version of that that really wasn't out there before someone like Rose Humley was was willing to put it out there for people. And then um, the other story we did was Maggie Smith Hathaway, 
who came from Stevensville, Montana. And she was like a Jeanette Rankin in that she was a suffragette. She did a lot of work to help secure the vote for women. And then once the vote was secured, um, she went on to be one of the first of two female state legislatures in, um, in Montana. And she served there number of terms and did some pretty incredible things within um, the Montana legislature. And then she went on and actually served as one of the state um, heads of an organization and ended up running what is now today the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, and did some amazing work that way too and helping set up a lot of some of even the um, laws that we have in place today to help um, children and single moms and overall welfare and well-being for children um, was a big part of her. And then our final story we featured was Susie Walking Bear Yellowtail, who came from the um, Crow Reservation. And she was one of the first Native American nationally, Native American women to become a registered nurse. And I really feel um, her, her story is so inspiring because she took this education and she probably could have gone anywhere, but she chose to go back and really fight for her people and try to get better services and better health care within the reservation system. And, and yet also walk that fine line of, of fighting for some Western care, but also keeping their traditional values alive and not letting those go as during that time, we were just trying to get rid of it and making making all Native Americans and Indigenous people, you know, trying to take it all away from them and not letting them practice their own faiths and religions. So, um, so I find that a really inspiring story as well. All of these women um, have at some point in their lives either they started somewhere else and came to Montana or they left Montana. There's, there's kind of that common thread in, I think a little bit of understanding Montana history and, and how we know how ancient it is for the indigenous peoples that have lived in, in this land we call Montana now, but for so much of that more recent history, um, Montana really was one of the later States to be, um, filled in with settlers and and developed so it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of that history that you're telling in the story is a little bit more recent and it involves people moving around a lot mm -hmm. moving around for their education or moving around for other experiences but um I think it was just uh, when I saw that screening over a month ago just a lovely way to understand more about this really extremely large state we mm -hmm. come from and the diversity that's within it. So I'm going to um, just have a quick station break and then we're going to continue on with our questions. You are listening to The Dirt on the Past with co-hosts Crystal Alegria and Nancy Mahoney on KGVM Bozeman or wherever you find your podcasts. We're speaking today with filmmaker Kimberly Hogberg about the story of us, the women who shaped Montana. So talking a little bit now about the filming of the story of us we've kind of talked about the women we feature and i want to dig a little bit into how how kim how you filmed this and that brings you into the story nancy a little bit as well because when kim was when we were getting ready to film we were filming the story of Susie walking bear yellowtail and kim said i really want to showcase an outside location and we had um 
Shane Doyle, who we've had on the podcast before and is, of course, a colleague and friend of ours at the Extreme History Project and a board member of Extreme History. Uh, we had Shane on board to do some drumming and singing along with his children to do some traditional dancing because that really ties into the Susie Walkingberry Yellowtail story. And so Kim said, I really want some, somewhere to have them um drum and dance and sing in a beautiful landscape and i said i know the perfect place nancy's house <laughs> well not my house per not, se not your house <laughs> outside of your house <laughs> on, on your your subdivision land <laughs> that backs right up to this beautiful mount mountain um called mount El- or mount ellis is what it's called i guess now but um yeah so so i roped in nancy and i called nancy and i said nancy can we film this on your land and you said oh yes definitely so that was really fun to be able to to do that so nancy can you talk talk a little bit about that day and and what it looked like through your through your eyes yeah we were excited to get that call and we we talked to our neighbors about it we have just uh three other homes out there with people living and we we have this adjacent property we all co-manage that's 110 acres and we do see Mount Ellis, we do see the Bridgers, and we do see um, this beautiful gap near Chestnut Mountain where you have Frog Rock and we have Eagle Rock, and there's all these lovely named places on the landscape. And and there's really just that beautiful sweeping kind of hills and little um, perennial um, uh, spring-fed creeks that run down with, with aspens along them. And so it really feels like beautiful prairie with the mountain all around it. And it was a, a lovely place place to then have Shane come out with his kids and it it felt like such a um an honor to be sitting there kind of witnessing this because this was land that was once within the the Crow Reservation and and all of that. So it was wonderful, but I I wanted to ask Kim a little bit more about that and how you go about um, choosing places and thinking about the imagery that you would use. When you were on our property, there were a couple of other folks there with pretty high-tech camera equipment that were on these kind of dolly things that could go back and forth and then but hold hold them steady. And then I'm not sure if you used drones at all also, but talk a little bit with us about the technical side not just of that day, but sort of in general for what it takes to bring a film like this together. Because I know you and Crystal worked on the the historical research, and, and then that has to be turned into a, a script that someone then narrates. But let's talk a little bit more about the visuals. Sure. You know, I think that's the toughest part of when you're doing historical documentaries is you know, what are you going to show? What do you, if it's going to be a film, you have to have visuals to go along with it. And while you have some incredible imagery, most of these women didn't have that many photos of them. I think we were lucky with Susie because we had family that gave us some photos of her, but still, I would say we only had maybe seven or eight photos of Susie and about the same with Maggie and a couple of Rose and then maybe three of Sarah. So it's really trying to think, okay, we're going to talk about these women for about eight minutes and we need to, to have some visuals to go with it. And I love doing what I call like kind of dreamlike reenactments. And that's like what you said, a dolly shot. So it's a very smooth shot and it's just a quick, you know, not quick. It's a slow kind of pan, but you don't see a lot. We do a lot of tight shots of feet or tight shots of hands 
Um, and and for the dancing, we shot it all at what we call a high speed frame rate. So actually when you're filming it, it looks like you're filming it in slow motion, which just I think adds that more dreamlike look to it. Um, and it was really fun. I mean, Shane and his family were just incredible. And I don't know if they realized when they were out there that we probably made them do the dance like 10 times. <laughs> they, but they were great sports about it because we got all different angles of, of different individuals as a family. We did some drone work. We did some dolly work. Then we just recorded Shane doing it just for the, the sound. And we actually used his track um, in, in the film for uh, background sound as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think we got lucky with a lot of the places that we wanted to film because the hangman's building is still there. And they even had kind of a little museum set up of what Sarah's office would have looked like with a desk and a typewriter. And the Capitol was very gracious and let us come film some beautiful shots um, within the building. Because again, that's what it looked like when Maggie was there. And then the Maywa Center, Maywa Museum in view were extremely generous and let us come film some fun scenes in what used to be a mercantile. And it still looks and just like it did back when Rose might have been helping her family in the mercantile. So we got pretty lucky with a lot of these stories and places willing to not only let us film, but also pretty much do it for free because we, you know, this was a pretty low budget film, but they were, they were great to work with. And it was fun to kind of, you know, the ideas were endless and I still have so much incredible footage that I wish, you know, I could add in, but maybe another time. <laughs> There's so much that you film for just those, those few minutes of, you know, on the screen. So um, but it was really fun to film in those actual locations, like in the Hangman's Building, where Sarah Bigfoot had her office in Virginia City. We filmed in the the actual building <laughs> where think, she had I her think office. People have to actually <laughs> yeah. see the film to understand because yes, you guys are just amazing. throwing around this term "Hangman's Building." Yeah, and people I don't, know. <laughs> and then she has her office in it, and nobody <laughs> understands what that is if they <laughs> haven't been there. So please watch the film, yeah. folks. Watch the film to better understand that terminology. <laughs> Right. And we do we do explain what the hangman's building is. Um, it is a pretty significant building within Virginia City. So, right. Yeah. Right. But Sarah did not do the hanging. So no, just to be clear. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, your plans for the documentary now going forward. I'm sure you probably spent more time editing this than you did actually filming things for it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that all works, but. Oh, Editing takes months. It sounds it sounds like you were all able to do a lot of the filming rather quickly, but then it's it's an incredibly laborious amount of time, I guess, to then select the the pieces of footage you want to use and put that together with sound. Um, but you've done that, and you've already gone and and done a few screenings around certain parts of Montana. So you mentioned that you both were in Virginia City. Um, was it just? Um, last night. Last night. And so, night, and yeah. I know you've shown it in Bozeman. So talk yeah. a little bit more about where it's been seen and, and then what are the future plans? Yes. 
So we've, we first screened it in Helena and had an amazing sold out crowd. We actually had to sadly turn people away because we just didn't have enough seats. And I mean, that theater has over 200 seats. So it was a great crowd we had in Helena. Um, and then we did the same thing in Bozeman and had an incredible crowd in Bozeman. Uh, we did a screaming in Butte at the, the Butte Archives, and we had a great crowd that showed up for that. Um, we also did a screening in Missoula, and then like Crystal said last night, we did one in Virginia City. Um, unfortunately, winter is here, so we are working on doing a screening over at the Crow Reservation and possibly Billings, and I know Stevensville is also going to hold a screening of the show as well. So those are kind of the future screenings. Um, and then we also have, it's going to air on Montana PBS um, Thanksgiving night at 7 p.m. And that's going to be the first airing premiere for the show. And I'm told that they're going to probably air that uh, more than once. So hopefully people can tune in or catch it sometime. Um so it'll be on Montana PBS. And then we're also we're working on possibly developing a curriculum and to try to um, get it to teachers and hopefully get it to as many students across the state as possible as a resource and tool for teachers. Wonderful. And, and almost because you have four women in there, you could have it even in a way that could be broken down into shorter segments and touch on different. Right. I mean, that was the idea was we built we built the film so each individual story could stand on their own. And it's pretty easy to to um, take each story out. So even if a teacher doesn't want to show the whole film, which I would think it would probably work better, you know, if they're doing a story about um, Chinese Americans, they could show the Rose story. Or if they're talking about Virginia City, they could show Sarah's story. Or Indigenous um, folks, they could show Susie's story. It's um, Each of them could easily break apart and fit into whatever teachers are already talking about or um, showcasing in their schools. So what about um, other women in Montana? Are there is there a future uh, follow up to this where there'll be more women? Are there going to be um, men? Are there what are you thinking about with this? I mean, I'm certainly sure there are more interesting and, and again, perhaps not as well known typical historical figures that already show up in Montana resources, but an opportunity to tell some of these other stories that people don't know as well and, and show a little bit more of the diversity, you know, that, that we've had in the state. Yeah. I think Crystal and I, again, with all the screenings we've been doing and just people reaching out, wanting to learn more, hear more, see it. It's really, I mean, for us, it's been a passion project and we love it, but it's great to see other people are excited about it and love this topic as well and are really hungry to finally learn about some of these stories. So yes, we are working on an episode two and an episode three, hopefully. And, you know, but again, that just takes time and it takes money. Uh, we live in the real world. So um, we are in talks. We've kind of identified a handful of about 10 women that, kind of are on our short list. Um, our only prerequisites are they cannot be living. Um, and it is not Jeanette Rankin. 
<laughs> Not because we don't love Jeanette Rankin, but because everyone already knows about well, her. <laughs> for the, for the, the one or two listeners we have yeah. who are not from yes. Montana, um, just just for those folks, tell them who Jeanette Rankin um, was so that they know why we keep brushing yeah. her aside. Yeah, poor Jeanette. <laughs> so Jeanette Rankin is really important to all of us in Montana because she was first and foremost a suffragette. She was a suffragist here in Montana and really helped uh, Montana women get the vote in 1914, mm. along with a whole lot of other women, but she kind of rises to the top as the woman we always say, you know, she was instrumental in getting the vote. But of course, along with her were so many others. And um, hopefully, we would like to showcase a lot of those other women that really helped Jeanette Rankin um, get that get the vote for all of us here in Montana. But she is most well known because she was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, the first, the very first woman elected to the House of Representatives. So ever. that so ever the national ever, ever. National yeah, level. that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then and then she also um, well, Kim, maybe you can talk. I'll let you talk about her voting record, which is also really significant and, and something and important. she's known for. Yeah. yeah. Right, is she voted no for the for the U.S. to enter World War One, uh, but then she was also elected again during before the U.S. entered World War Two, and she was the only legislature to legislator to vote no for the U.S. to enter World War Two nationally. So she's kind of known for bo- voting no against entering I uh, both of those wars. Yeah, and she was a real pacifist. And so that really is her legacy. And she, you know, even after World War Two, she was an advocate and an activist for peace in the United States and around the world. And she was act up active up until the 1970s. And my favorite photos of Jeanette Rankin are when she's this little old lady out there parading, you know, with her signs and her, you know, really advocating for peace in America. So, um, so I really do love Jeanette Rankin, but but because everyone knows about her, we're kind of staying away from and her. And she knows yeah. she's in every history book in Montana, is, yeah. and and folks know those things. And yeah. and I think that tie to to being a member of of the U.S. Congress is really a different level. Yeah. But it's so important to understand these other women um, in Montana and what they did for Montana. Um, but before we we leave this all together, Kim, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about one of the other films we mentioned uh, in the introduction, the one you just completed called Hidden Stories. Sure. Um, I was uh, about a year ago, I partnered up with the Montana Historical Society um, with Kate Hampton. She's been doing research about Montana's black past for well over 10 years and really doing some incredible research in homes and buildings and the people and the places. And um, they received some funding to develop a 60 minute documentary. So that's when um, we were able to partner with her and develop, which was a really tough, tough job of how do you tell, you know, this huge story in a 60 minute window. I wish we could have done it three parts, um, but it was a really fascinating story. And it's a it's a it's a complicated and it's a sad story too in that you look around Montana today and it's not that diverse and it used to be a very diverse state and um and we're missing that and I and I hope that we can grow that and and 
and it's not what it looks like today, you know, 50 years from now, but it's a great story. And that's hopefully going to come out on Montana PBS next um, February. Wonderful. It's that's a- exciting and such an important story to tell. Yeah, it's a really wonderfully beautiful and important film. Um, I got to watch it the other day and I really enjoyed it. So good job um, on that both to you and to Kate Hampton and everyone who worked on it because it was so good. It was really good. So people should watch for that one on Montana PBS as well. Yeah, thank you. You're going to be known as the Ken Burns of the the Kenette Burns of Montana. So yeah, we're just going to have to have you back again. I'm sure you, yeah, she's rolling her eyes. We aren't seeing that on Zoom. That's a compliment. (laughs) But Kim, we will be looking for a lot more from you. And and I'm sorry to say we're kind of running to the end of our time here. So we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about the film. The Story of Us debuts again on Montana PBS on Thanksgiving evening. So please make sure to watch. If you miss it, don't worry. It'll be aired again in the future. Um, PBS is great about that. The Extreme History Project website and or Facebook and Instagram pages will have updates about where you can see it if you don't get it on Thanksgiving because somebody is hogging the control and watching football. (laughs) So thank you so much again today for joining us, Kim. And um, thanks for all your hard work in bringing to life these true stories from history that haven't been really told. Yeah. Thank you. It was so good to talk to you about this, and um, I look forward to working hard on episodes two and three and and figuring out which women we want to focus in on. That's the hardest part. Mm, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. So... Thank you so much, Kim, and thanks to all our listeners out there for joining us today. If you love this podcast, please tell a friend and make sure to subscribe so it shows up in your podcast feed each week. And, you know, this podcast, we have so many people who are listening. We love every listener. Um, But if you have someone that you know that would like to listen, make sure you pass it on to them because we want to grow, grow, grow the podcast so more people hear these wonderful interviews with these amazing people that we get to talk to. So um, another way to grow the podcast is to review it. So those of you listening, if you love this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. So thanks so much for listening today. And we hope you can join us again to find out more about the The Dirt dirt on on the past. Past. A big thank you to our editor and sound guru, Steve Durbin. Thanks to Lawson Alegria for mixing the music and to John Chadwell for help getting the podcast out in the world. <laughs>